and welcome to Upstage Downstage. With me, Richard Platt, seated in the upper circle. And me, Stephen Rees, uh, seated in a cheap seat. This is the Theatre Podcast, where we discuss productions we've seen, things we've liked and may not have liked, giving our complete unprofessional and non-biased opinions. So grab a brew, take a seat and let's raise that curtain. On today's edition of Upstage Downstage, we'll be discussing Brief Encounter, which we saw on the 4th of August 2022 at Stephen Joseph Theatre, Scarborough. So Richard... What's it all about? Laura and Alec are married, but not to each other. A chance meeting at a railway station hurls them headlong into a whirlwind romance that threatens to blow their worlds apart. This playful production turns Noel Coward's film Brief Encounter inside out, adding joyous musical numbers and physical comedy while still maintaining the truly classic romance of the original. But first, our post-show opinion! Such good cosy fun. Brilliantly staged and wonderfully performed. So with all that said, let's set, set the scene. So Richard, would you like to describe the set? Because we actually went to Stephen Joseph Theatre, which we've already said in the preset. It was in the round. So would you like to describe? Yeah. So this. I mean, you don't have to if you don't want to. I mean, if you really, if, oh, if you're really if struggling. You really want to. I mean, the picture's right next to you. Yeah. I mean, there's there's not there's not a giveaway or anything. So when you walk into Stephen Joseph Theatre, which is a quite a unique venue because mm. their main stage is in the round and always. In the round, which means... <laughs> in the round, because it's always in the round. Well, we're keeping that in as you go. <laughs> to be fair, it's more... The, the, they laid it out like a square. It's well, Yeah, the, by in the round, it really means there's an audience all the way around the actual staging area. And the staging is a square space, so... Have we cleared that up? I think we yeah. have now. I, I think, think everyone's we're... in the know. <laughs> Everyone who doesn't know Does about what in the round that? means. I'm just I... informing the, the non, non-educated non listener. You know, and I, think everybody's... You did, I think you did that really well. You see, I tried. I think everybody learned something here. And I'm certainly learning a lot about you. I was you. using good describing words, wasn't I? Descriptive words, but yeah. Picking out. Picking. <laughs> okay, look, over to me. So the set was basically a... It was like a play mat, wasn't it? A mm. square play mat. Yeah. And it it's had... almost like Lino, ready for some uh, ready for some breakdancing. Yes. It had... Well, I suppose from where we were uh, seated... Oh, what would you call that? Well, it would be opposite us, but far opposite. I mean, we're in the round, so it could... Look, to one side... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to one side, there was um, black and white tiled linos, but in a small, smallish square within a bigger square... And the lino the, that looked not like your nan's lino. Car, well, no, it looked, yeah. No, which bit? The red bits. The red bits looked the like red, your nan's well, lino. Well, I thought that was carpet to simulate yeah. the carpet, you see, to distinguish um, where the uh, cafe bit was on the black and white squares. And uh, the table and chairs were on this orange carpet pattern lino. And also, I think because it doubles up as other spaces as well, such as the living room, I think that's where they were going with that, basically. Yeah, I suppose you'd got cafe furniture and a a desk table bench that looked like the the counter top of the cafe. Yes, yeah. And then also you'd got a just one armchair and then some 
traveling trunks and cases at the other side of the stage just to really show that it was obviously definite areas of the stage that were set up to to imitate different parts of the production really yeah so if you think of each corner of that square being an entrance and an exit yeah then you had on each point not the point of the square but in the middle of each end of the middle of the square oh this is really complicated to say what i mean but basically uh, the the chair was opposite the cafe um, <clears throat> counter with, with the cakes. And you could do was... it north, south, east and west because okay, really... Okay, let's do that. Now that sort of makes more sense. So to the north of the... north of the. You are quite useful for something. I do have you? my moments. <laughs> I'm you struggling see, to describe something. On the <laughs> north of the, the, square, okay. the square stage, there was uh, the countertop. On the east, there was the trunks and the, the cases. And on the south, there was the armchair and on the west there was the uh, tables and chairs and a and a stove that were the actual seating area for the cafe well done well i think I we got there in the end yeah yeah and so, to, to, i suppose to yeah. also mention that, that there are three entrances f- into the stage area for the cast which are they almost disappear into black corridors mm. there's there's one north of the stage and then there's two southeast and southwest so as you as you went <laughs> you had to think then didn't I did you have have to wear... think about that one but i did well if you just look at the picture that we post after this podcast you'll be able to see what we mean yeah because i think obviously i think that picture tells I, everything i mean in a way in a way the whole space becomes entrances and exits for all cast there aren't yeah. really there aren't any stairs to, to not be used by a cast they pretty much in this production use every entrance that there is on in the area in the space hmm. and as we um entered the theater um bearing in mind we had difficulties parking once we got there and because somehow everything's gone digital and you have to log in with an app to park yeah, your car now clear. and you have to sign up send your email address then you have to put your bank cards in so i from get, en- exiting my car to entering this theater i just followed richard i didn't look anywhere i was just eyes glued to the mobile phone trying to pay for parking yeah and i can't remember much about it no you just sat down and you, did, and you i just sat, you got in there and, and I, I was extremely tired after <laughs> all that hard work yeah and well, i was thinking about fish and chips because i have been to this venue before so i was yeah i was just in autopilot walking through the theater so as we walked in the lead actress was uh, and her waitress was uh, sat on um the stairs going down talking to a couple of uh, audience members prepping them because i think well i know now but there was going to be some kind of interaction yeah and this was part of on. the preset as well really, yeah, wasn't it yeah. it was and it was to to bring you into the production yeah and they just played 1940s music and i think the majority of it was noel carrad Yes, it was. Tunes, because I know that that Emma Rice, she's written, she's adapted it into a musical using his um, musical, um, well, his songs, basically. But they just played that in the round whilst everyone was milling about. So they were... um, Yeah, and I think some of the songs weren't the ones that were actually the ones they used in the production. They were the ones that maybe weren't weren't on the actual, on the sound, on the the music. part of yeah using the production and, and also i suppose this would we're talking about the preset so you were almost brought into the production the minute you walked into the venue and one thing i would say is above the stage were very big 1920s glass lights that at first you just thought they were there just for decoration purposes but we'll, we'll talk more about in those the technical in the technical section, section. <clears throat> yeah yeah 
we're ploughing on through this. We will get through it. It's been a while. We're getting there. So that's what we ended up seeing as soon as we walked in there. Now, when the place started going, Richard... Well, I suppose first I was going to just oh. briefly touch on it. I mean, one of the things with an in, in the round production... Yes, I'm going to mention that again. I'm not mentioning Journey yet, so I'm doing well. <laughs> um, Don't describe what in the round means, no, for but God's sake. Certain productions... They can be awkward if you sit in certain positions where I do find that this was a production that it didn't really matter where you sat mm. and you didn't really miss any of the action. So I was pleased that the seats that we actually got were placed well, even though they weren't necessarily the most expensive. They were actually yeah, part of the some cheap were seat res- sections. Res- yeah, the restricted viewer re- uh, viewing seats were pretty much like a couple behind the actual settee. Yeah, yeah. So there was so, only two was in ne- the middle ne- of the... Nothing, and, yeah. and, and that's something to bear in mind if ever you are worried about going to see something like this. This is These are the sort of things that are really useful, I find, when you actually go and see something in this way. Don't be put off by the restricted view seats sometimes because you're not going to miss out on everything. It just may be one little scene as part of the whole production. Yeah. So And that means you can see more productions by buying cheap tickets. So, you know, keep that in mind. Yeah, or it, like, um, a banister or something if yeah. you're on like the dress circle. It might yeah. just be as uh, simple as that. And to some people it's a distraction, but you're going to see more productions for less money mm. and you're still in the room. So, you know. Yeah, but, well, I suppose that nicely guides us into the direction you see and how in the round they were directed yeah and it's a challenge for a director yes it's, well it really is it's it's something you've, you've really got to entertain got to people on all sides yes and it, and also you don't want to watch a production where the cast look like they're on a conveyor belt or they're being spun on a tabletop because that's something that can happen quite a lot if it's directed badly. Because the the cast are told to always look at certain parts of the audience, or and then they look like they they're lost in lost sheep because they've got to keep moving around in circles. So it it's a fine balance when you're actually directing something in the round. Yeah, and this production was directed by Paul Robinson. What did you think about the direction overall I from th- the moment we went in and was I suppose. It would have been his his idea to have the actors out there greeting people and just being in character for like five yeah. ten minutes. And really, beforehand. you were in an, you, you felt like you were in the extended cafe in a way. Yeah, the direction wasn't to overbear the production or overbear the 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 audience. It was it didn't feel awkward because sometimes I can feel that some presets or some things like this can be a little bit awkward or pointless if they have no reason whereas because they we were in the cafe basically yeah you just felt welcomed in there was a nod or a wave or a, a, a just a, an acknowledgement we'd walked in the room that was enough just to give you that yeah and i think it helped because we went to see it on the matinee yeah because there was fewer audience members it made it even more intimate <laughs> yeah it did, it, did. Yeah, it, it really did and uh, i quite like the fact that the actors they kept in specific dialogue of that era yes definitely as well when they were sort of out of character well no no, they were in character but out of script i should say say it that way and also i found that there was no nobody was phased in the performance as in when there's a smaller audience they can get phased sometimes or appear that it's not a full audience so they can't have the same amount of fun i didn't feel this with this production yeah sometimes it could be a little awkward as well yeah yeah definitely i know like when we've done shows ourselves, it's always a bit, oh dear, there's not many in these. It's yeah, and it's having that fine line to just have mm. that confidence and it just felt like they just, it was just every day, this is what they do. And that that yeah. is really good because that gives a professional level rather than those doubters that you can see it on the face. And I think that was that was really, really well done. Yeah. Now, going back to the direction before we go on to the yeah. acting, 
just nipping it in the bud there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Because I know we like to go off on tangents. But with the whole in the round thing, mm. I felt um, the director did an amazing job. Yeah, totally. Like, um, we've already sort of uh, discussed. But because this was a musical piece as well, it was having all the actors um, play their musical instruments as well. Yeah. And each particular song or section they they were never in the same place twice it's also a really useful thing for a director to make sure that when casting happens the cast that are put together have all got those talents but it's not just because they've got those talents Mm. that they've got the part they are right for the roles and i think that then makes it even better from a direction point of view because you've got that caliber of person to perform this way would you say it would be easier to direct in that case if their characteristics are more suited for that role. Yeah, because the the, the cast then buy in more as a team to yeah. put this production on rather than having to guide somebody through it, I yeah. think. And also they used... When they go to the cinema, because this is the whole point of the story is they, they both enjoy movies and it's sort of a romance, so they yeah. go there. They used the, um, the staging... Yeah. up at the top as um, seating. So all the actors used all the spaces, not just within that little play area of the set at the bottom, but they went no. up the stairs, right around the top. Well, little things like the they'd use the curtains as the entrance to the cinema. Yes. With the bu- with the porters stood at the door of the, the gate of one of the entrances we would have come through. Yeah. But they used the, the curtain as part of almost the flip side. So they were off to see something through that curtain so there was dialogue and it happened within the audience and then they walked off through that entrance so it was really cleverly used where they didn't just use the three entrances that i mentioned earlier on stage they used all the other parts and that is a clear direction blocking process that is really important when it comes to something like this type of production you use the space you've got you know it's there for using so why not and also do you remember there was a scene where um uh, the kids um, were coming down the stairs next to us, yeah. and they were, well, they, they, they were doubled up from yes, what we were, yeah. saw them as before. They came down. Oh, what what were they coming down for? Or was it? They were going just to come back in. From, yeah, they were coming down yeah. from upstairs. So and one of them wasn't used, very well. Yeah, they used the upstairs. They used <clears> the, the stairs that the audience came in on as the stairs to the bed. Yeah. So it's like to, to up to the bedroom. So it's so they used that space really cleverly, and in and a way, there's a different set of steps to the ones yeah from the other side, and in a way because. Because they did that, because these were these are fully grown people playing children, it gave a bit of perspective. So one thing I thought from the director's perspective is I think I'm big on making sure you create levels in a performance. So make sure it's not flat and always on one level. And if you've got the opportunity to put people in different places, it makes the audience move around, which also keeps attention. So yeah. you don't just look into the centre of the stage. Oh, yeah, it's we all People are popping up everywhere. And, yeah. it, and that's when you know you've got an audience, when everybody's turning their heads and watching. You know, it, if you create that space that makes people follow it, you know they're watching it because they're not just static and looking into the middle and falling asleep. And that's mm. that's the big thing as well. That's just as important. And it also helps to create more scenes and space than you've actually got as well. Yeah. Uh, talking about the scenes how what do you reckon about the transitions because i i felt they were slickly done in this small space Um, the the moment a train passed by everyone sort of oh that's nothing to do with transitioning oh no no, god what am i saying are you transitioning transitioning? now no no um no what is this something you've not told me oh 
there's everything I've not told you. <laughs> okay, so that thought <laughs> I was going to say was um, when they had the train, when they were by the train station and the train came in, they had like a gust of wind, but the whole actors moved back a bit as if they were blown away yeah. by this train. Yeah. But when I mean about uh, scenes transitioning from one to the other, yeah. they all came in slickly um, and uh, just move things where they needed to be either if that was the chairs from the, the cafe or when they brought that boat out and moved it around even if they weren't necessarily in that scene but were there holding like the boat steady or yeah definitely yeah no what do you mean it was i think for me it was when you talk about transitions it's the the director was very clever in using every other cast member mm. to be involved in those transitions so like you're saying about the train scenes and stuff like that. They weren't even in the scenes and they came rushing in to, yeah. to change the space and were all involved in, even if it was moving one piece of furniture, they all did it or they all moved a boat and then they, then they rushed off and disappeared. I think that's about right. It's all about changing the scene, yeah. uh, the set. It was almost like the on an Etch-A-Sketch where you, you swipe it and clean yeah. the previous picture. It's the same principle. It's like mm. you're swiping the area with physical beings walking through that space and then leaving it with the next scene and you feel transported in some way. And I think that's that's how it, it came across. Yeah, nothing felt... It was out, a massive... Of, yeah, nothing a massive felt move. out of place or, oh, they, they did that wrong or no. they forgot that. There was nothing obviously... Well, I don't even want to say obviously wrong. There was just nothing wrong at all. And if I think as well, it probably also direction-wise, probably pick up on the fact that they weren't scared to use the space and the entrances and exits properly and by that i mean when somebody went off and exited one side they didn't come back on that side because that's where they'd gone off they walked around to the other side and they came back through the other door to create that you're walking into another space or you're coming from another side they they didn't they didn't they varied it when they could yeah it wasn't Um, yeah there was it's like if that was the entrance in the bottom corner for the cafe that was always used for the cafe yeah if it was for the train scene they always came in from the other side but you never saw somebody come on and off from the same side just because they were there it was always there was a specific use of each entrance yeah you know and i think that that made it feel as well from a transition point of view that they were coming into that side. That was where they came into the cafe. That's where the, the train station was. And it that helped a lot, I think. Yeah. Now, moving on to the writing of it. This is a new adaptation uh, by Emma Rice, which I've um, I've said before. Yeah. Um, a new musical adaptation, dare I say. Do you think it was close to the original? What are your thoughts? Not seeing the film. Um, Have you not seen the film? No. Oh, shut up. Really? Yeah. Okay, well... I may have, to be fair, I think I have a long time ago and I get the principle of it and it's I sort of remember it, but it was a long time ago. Well, I, I, I love the film. Yeah. It's one of those cosy, indulgent, just... It's such a, a sweet romance. It's And I think a lot of films these days can learn something about just how innocent a film could be. I think the only thing that uh, I want to pick up on, actually, which is what... Emma Rice said in the program and she said imagine being gay in the 1930s and you begin to understand brief encounter and I hadn't ever thought of it in that way at all no I knew it was of that time frame where oh you know as a married person you shouldn't really be having 
like an affair. But this was like an affair to remember in a sense where it wasn't anything sexualized or anything sinful like that. It was just two people that honestly fell in love, like love at first sight in a way, where it couldn't go anywhere. They just enjoyed yeah. each other's company. And you saw that longingness, that passion, and just like two soulmates just coming together. And it yeah, was, and it was and a proper it, build of... And that's that is why I've, I've, I didn't realise until reading that, that that's what it would have been like for um, gay people in that time. Like, yeah. they can't express it or be open and out and stuff. And so I've, I've learned something. <laughs> yeah, and it's, I suppose it's the underworld. It's the, the things that happen because this was pre-mobile phones. This was pre... This was very much writing a letter to the loved one, even if it was taboo and behind the scenes or unknown. It was this was the type of era it was. There was no, yeah. you know, these these relationships took years to develop, not just a couple of weeks. It was over a long time, the period, and I think they got that across in this production because of the time that travelled through and bumping into people again. It really was. I'll meet you on Thursday at four p.m. Yeah once a week and that was it you know there was no communication between that time this is where heartstrings really meant something yeah when you've developed any kind of uh, feelings for that somebody the anticipation and the actual wonder and the excitement of meeting someone not just like texting them or seeing them because it's thrown away it's that's lost and the art of conversation as well it's those moments that they had to work on things and they had to wait and catch up with each other in that period and they probably only had an hour or two hours with each other and it's and that's something that i suppose you need to be reminded of sometimes to see it you know and that's what this did well for a married woman to be seen with another man Exactly. Going to the cinema or regularly meeting up in public, you know, that was sort of, I dare say for me to judge and say it was taboo, but it was sort of taboo in a way. Well, it was like socially, you, you it was like, do it. Well, it would, I suppose it would get you like Ina Sharples chatting at the yeah. post office or camp yeah. shop. Do you know what I mean? It'll be all that, all that kind of, um, and then and then that gossip will get back to your husband and just create a drama that you don't want. But you'd and, create a blot on the landscape and you. You know, people didn't get divorced. It was one of those eras where people lived with each other and they never actually split. And those, and if they know, did get a divorce, it would be very frowned upon. Yes. And you were seen as a spinster or you were seen as somebody that... You're so, one yourself. Yeah, well, you know, one is. Um, but it's <laughs> seen as being widow. a spinster. And, you know, I, I, think, I think those moments where you... You'd seen as almost the unwashed because or the you, unwanted, you, you, an unwanted. Something's and, uh, wrong with you but, if you're not married by the time you're twenty. But you know, I know, I know, you're probably not being flogged in the street like you know in the medieval times. But that's how people felt if they went against God, really, in a way, because they found somebody else that actually was the person that they fell in love with, not that person that they went to a church and got married in. So it's mm. that's that's where this production does show and i think they did it really well too in the writing to actually portray that on stage and immerse you in that world and yeah and i think um just if if you want to know how like 1940s was just look at noel coward yeah he conjures up that era for me quite vividly you know in a lot of his films that he um and stage plays and 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 things that he did even his songs to some extent but i would say that all the actors and Everybody involved and the set pieces, everything was of that era. But um, 
no, I've gone off on one again. Going back to the play, it is very much like the movie. It brings that nostalgia and that it's very close to the movie. I should say it's more close to the movie than it's very much like the movie, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I know what you mean. Rather, I just knocked myself up. It felt like a black and white movie. It felt like if it, they could have, yeah. they could have stripped all the colour away from this production, but you would still have... Grayscale, monochrome. Yeah, yeah. You, you, but, you, but it felt steeped in the time i felt i feel like it didn't because for me there's nothing wrong with a black and white movie it, if what i'm mean is as in the the storyline and the production held itself up and it would have if you'd have filmed this you'd have had the same feeling that you would have hmm. as the film you know and i think that's, that's but it conjures up that romance and that coziness yes. and that everything will be all right no matter what things you're going through no, of you course. Know. and it's just indulgent yeah it's good indulgence you know this i wish i could see this play again yeah yeah of course. because that's how i always feel about that film always put it on yeah exactly you know it, and, yeah, and it, it does, just it transforms does you, you. it that. takes you away from the crappy life you live in or whatever and it just brings you back down to nostalgia not like i was around in 1945 no but it's almost a simpler time yes but with adding the music to it yeah that that helped a great deal it did. did. It was very poignant at it times was. and emotive, but fun as well and keeping it light-hearted. Yeah, and I think it was a big nod to Noel Coward himself because he may not have considered using all using music in there because, but I think it was well judged and well well explored because some of the songs were probably the ones that weren't necessarily his most well-known songs, and I think that that can only sing his sort of praises. Or it can only celebrate the work that he's done, not just in writing productions or or writing scripts. It's it's not just about that, but also the hard work he's done within his his writing of songs, and I think that helped. What I loved about this, uh, before we go on to um, what we're on now, the writing, aren't we? Before mm. we go on to the acting, I just want to mention the music. Not necessarily the music, but the musical instruments. Yeah. Because there's one particular scene which actually made me howl laughing. I don't know if I should say spoilers now. Yeah. So yeah, there's a particular scene. I think it's in Act Two where Robert Jackson, who's playing Albert Gobi, yeah, he's coming out with his is it a trumpet. Yes. Was it a trumpet? trumpet. He's yep. playing this trumpet, and it was quite. It was like a sexual, sexualized um, tone of um, "I'm going to have you tonight." That sort yeah. of element, or I'm. I've got what you want or something. It, I, I can't remember now what it was. But then um, Natasha Lewis comes out, who was Myrtle, and she comes out with the, the great big trombone, trombone and yeah. just upstages him with it. And, st- and because all the cast play a musical instrument, just how she did it quickly just turned out of nowhere because she was sort of on my right-hand side. I couldn't really see her because she was like coming out from... And you'd never really seen her play an instrument no, all the way she through didn't, it. No, she didn't, no. So she held that back. Yeah, Nobody, it, yeah. I think it was... And there was another actress that held back as well to the very end. But yeah, that that was just so... Like, I don't want to say out of character because no, it was just the fact that we hadn't seen that character, like you say, play a musical instrument. And all of a sudden, she's coming back with this great big trombone, which was like a euphemism. It, yeah, it was, was so huge. And just everyone just fell about laughing. It, it was, it, And it was done really funny. It was it was a moment to just... I want to go back and see audience. it just for that scene yeah, alone. Yeah, exactly. But it was done in just the fun moment just to break the scene and break the sequence to actually make you enjoy it. 
Yes. Now, you know what we're here for? We're... Here for the drama. So, I want to... Before we actually start talking about the acting, I actually do want to give a shout-out. Okay. In fact, I'm going to give several. Firstly, I would like to give a shout-out to Natasha Lewis, who was who played Myrtle. From the very start, she was so warm and inviting, and she was the one that did the scones at the very beginning and chatting away. And she just held her own. She, she held that counter like it was her own little uh, palace, and she owned the stage when she was on it. Yeah, you she know, did. She was she just, just commanded the stage. She was just great, and she worked so well, like I've said, with Robert Jackson. Yeah. It was just, he gives the impression of he's a bit like René Artois from Hello, Hello, when he went into the cafe. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. You wouldn't have expected them two together. No, but the character work, I think there was a lot of lot of work on how they how they were for each of the characters they played and I thought it felt genuine yes because it's the sort of yin and yang relationship where you don't expect it to work but it really does well it's yeah. a bit like that you know um, Yvette going after Renee yeah it was you know she gave the impression of Yvette in a way yeah. and uh, that that's it just took me back to Cafe Renee basically that that little section there and I've got a really soft spot for a lower low but that just, I thought, wow. Yeah, definitely. And that's why I like those characters. But also I thought Lara Lewis, she was the, the waitress. Yeah. And she was extremely well, good, strong performance. Even though she's got like, not the central part. No. But she she was just flawless throughout. And, and I think she doubled up as another character, didn't she? She did three different characters. Yeah, it was um, just seeing her go to the posh one where she, I think that was, was that Dolly. She was Laura's sister towards the end when she came back. Or was that a friend? Yeah. It was oh, a that friend. was a friend. Yeah, it was a friend. Laura's yeah. friend. She but came to, back as a posh But friend. because we've known her as basically the other the as waitress, yeah. yeah, to then see her go to this other character. Yeah. To switch. It, it was like it was switched quite quickly, if I recall. Yeah, it was. And I thought, wow. That yeah, was, exactly. You know, well, when... I mean, for me, it was the, it was Laura Lewis and Joey Hickman's relationship that was building as well throughout the production, which was really clever, where yeah. at first there was a lot of coyness, there was a lot of not actually acknowledging that they, they really liked each other, but then it, it just got, it built throughout the production. And I think it's, it's clever of a director to see that and make sure that that builds as well, yeah. rather than just throwing it in your face that they're also seeing each other. And this, like, they just did little exchanges or little bits on stage where it just got bigger, the gestures got bigger, or the, the fun and the, the slap and tickle almost got a bit bigger. Yeah. And it, because it's very easy to just do that from the start yeah. and not leave the audience guessing almost. And I think it really worked well as almost an undertone, like you say with they were the cast that were very much used on stage all the time but there was other things happening and they were part of that creating that because it created more levels as as a production rather than it just being about the feature to yeah to about laura and alec it wasn't just about them on stage as the pinnacle couple that were this whole production was about really in a way it was as if the characters playing laura and alec so anne-marie piazza yeah. And Pete Ashmore. It was as if all the other characters were sort of like backstage supporting the people on stage. Yes. But they, they had to perform several other characters and be so strong yes. that they were... I feel like they were doing more of the hard work. Yeah, definitely. To amp up their characters yeah. and to keep everyone engaged and keep and the action running. to drive the story, really. Well, yeah. Exactly. And what a story it is. And the two leads, both Pete and Anne-Marie were so brilliantly cast. Yeah, 
Well, they were captivating the way yeah. you, you they, everything they, was. They held your attention. Yes. Sorry to interrupt. They, they just every, held no, your right. when, attention yeah. to every little soul. It was every moment deal. that they appeared on stage, you felt their presence. Yes. You knew that there was going to be a build, there was going to be a performance that then you knew that. All these other cast members were gonna and all the you know were gonna fuel it, but they were the fire. They were the flame in the middle. They were the yeah. The, that was the bit that was burning, and all this cast were keeping it burning. You know, just by yeah. all the interactions, all the well, it like like the metaphor. They were the ones kept kept chucking the the coal on the fire. Yeah, they did, yeah, to watch the the relationship yeah. burn. Yeah, they did, and I think that's that was how clever it was. And just, I mean, to be honest, every cast member were just brilliant. And there was nobody upstaging anybody. And I think that was the key thing for me. When a production feels right and confident and comfortable, and I don't mean comfortable in a bad way, you could tell each cast member was comfortable with each other on stage. There was no mm. nobody pushing each other out of the way for limelight. Just the simple things as... Well, they all got their limelight in the round, exactly. didn't they? But, you know, yeah. you could see anybody at any different stage and, and that was the beauty of this production. But it was little things like I'd see Beryl put down an accordion that then Stanley picked up and stood playing in yeah. the background while a scene was happening. But they weren't overshadowing. They were just there to create the move. Mm. A little bit like... I mean, for me, it's a little bit like Lady and the Tramp. It's like watching the film and the spaghetti scene. It's that that thing where there's a waiter in the background or there's somebody playing music or there's... Yeah. It, it creates that mood, but they don't overshadow what's actually happening in the middle of the whole thing, but they're just confidently there. And then when the and scene the, and, ends, they just confidently disappear, almost like a ghost spinning yeah. and out of the room. And, and one of the actors, Rishi Manuel, he was uh, specifically doing that. Yeah. And I think he was the one that was playing the guitar all the way through yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. And I think his main role wasn't just the acting. It was to give that musical yeah. um, accompaniment yeah, to a lot of the scenes. If I remember correctly, yeah, he, did do, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. he did do the Yeah, the and then I mean, the for me, Alex Weatherill and Sheila Ravel, who Alex played the piano and was the musical director, and Sheila on the double bass, they were always there. Yeah. But... It just felt there was just felt so much confidence with these these musicians that they just played when they need to. They directed. You didn't see anybody stressing out over the musical interludes or bringing the music in to then perform the actual next piece because, from a vocal point of view, you are in a small space, so you've got to be aware of the volume level to make sure everything blends. Mm. and And I just found that just happened really naturally. You almost felt like you were in a cafe full of. Music musicians that just sat playing yeah just quiet just in it did give that feeling quite a lot and it was really nice to see i suppose the journey of uh, laura and marie played by Anne marie sorry who she ended up playing the piano right at the very end. Yeah, when... which nobody, she didn't show anybody. No, until she, right at the she end. was another one that didn't um, show any sign that she was going to play a musical instrument. No. And I think she was the last one to actually show us that she played a musical Even instrument. Even with Alec playing the violin. You know, mm. he he didn't really. It was one of those moments where I remember looking over and I was like, "Oh, Alex got a violin in his hand." And yeah. It was like it was you, just you part nudged of me the then, scene. Yeah. yeah, I did nudge you because I was yeah. like, there was no acknowledgement that he was. I thought you that was offering part, me some sweets. Or yeah, something. well, you know, not this time. <laughs> um, but it was one of those moments that it it just happened, and it was not actually part of the product, the piece, mm. the scene that was happening. He was just there to play the music, and I thought that's when a production shows how confident it is that because we're 
will talk about costume and things, but there were so many costume changes and so many things oh, happening. Oh, was, yeah. And then to pick up musical instruments and just play comfortably and just play without any stress or and then move on to the next scene. And those were the things that were happening while this... And it was just in awe. Because... Yeah, I, I, that's a good word to say, just in awe, because I think to have like um, the other actors playing a musical instrument yeah. whilst the main performers are basically telling the stories one thing but then to ha- to find out that the whole cast can play a, yeah. a musical instrument and are integral to the actual play so everyone's involved. And they're playing involved. three or four parts they're not yeah. just playing, they're not just there to it, it play just, one bit then it, it, they become the band It make, it then makes that itself a cosy family play. Yeah, definitely Yeah, yeah. It, it, it takes... It's like a, a great big old fashioned hug. Yeah, it is It's it, you feel like you were taken back to a maybe music hall style thing where everybody's in the back room all with music talking about life somebody's playing somebody's singing it just felt like we'd gone backstage a little bit in mm. a way because picked up on the costumes and props i think we've pretty much uh, covered all this but the the props that did get the most use was basically that cake stand with a glass dome got used a lot oh also uh, let's not forget the actual the greatness of that countertop was that it doubled up for the house home being a record player and yeah. also the, lid um, the drinks up. cabinet and, and then right towards the end you didn't you didn't think it was got any more use and then it opened up and it was a drinks cabinet for uh, yeah. Alex's house yeah and it, it came out of the blue because you didn't expect them to be you know and she was selling chocolate bars out of it yeah did it, was... did it get turned around at any no maybe not no i don't think it got turned no. around but it was just it was just way it was cleverly hidden because the doors didn't look like they'd open to become a no a decanted store for for whiskey yeah. you know very very useful um, yeah i mean there was prop a prop there, there was certain elements brought out there was the boat that was brought out that was yep. you know just a a, a, a standard rowing well it was boat. a full it was a standard, a standard size, rowing, size wasn't it? maybe maybe three quarters rather yeah. than a full but it was just it was just enough to give that they used a lot of props where they had a a tablecloth fixed to a piece of wood where they brought it out to put over the top of one of the cafe tables to show that it was a an evening restaurant yeah. type setting but they didn't over, go over the top with with scenery really or i mean props as we as we probably say yeah. but it was enough and costume wise they had a lot of costume but they did tend to reuse a lot of the costumes so there were scenes where there were waiters there were scenes where they had a lot of 1940s style coats and things that would have been over the top of other things, but enough to show an Se- outdoor scene or an indoor scene. A couple or, of service guys, so you got the police, yeah. policemen, yeah. or, and or then like there was, the army. Then there was the, and... yeah, there was the 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 view of coming out in a a bellboy look where you were yeah. in, where you were in a um, almost like that you'd see outside of a cinema or a, a high class hotel with buttons and a high collar. So you yeah. basically just had that look of difference really even down to uh, when they went on the the boat they had the fisherman's like jumper yes didn't they the, yeah, that, yeah the, the, um, the cable net yeah cable net jumpers and stuff so that yeah. that helped a lot and i think that overall they had a lot of they just had a lot of changes that gave each of them character or but in a way the costumes because they went to detail on the costumes that set the scene for where they were yeah without having any need a- additional props no. or anything are we done talking about the costume? Should we go on to the next section? I think we can. What the tech is this? Now, Richard, let's talk about technical stuff because you are the technician and you said something at the very beginning when we were discussing about the set. You said about the lights. Now, my question about the lights is when you said they were 1920s, 
the building is an Art Deco 1920s building. Yeah. Were they original to the actual um, theatre itself rather than it being specific for this play, do you think? Well, at first we I thought they were just part of the, the makeup play. of the building. Oh. And then I did have a look up and I did realise that actually they were actually part of this play. Mm. So they were actually used... Because even though this was a 40s production, things didn't really change year on year so there was a lot of it felt very 20s in its design as in there was some yeah. newer stuff but the the desks and things the, the the actual stove and thing felt very like you know it had been there for quite a long time so it would be very fitting to keep these glass you know glass lights all the way through i mean they were very dark deco style yeah and you know people didn't replace things that quick i mean there wasn't that much money around so they'd have just lived with what they were so they looked almost gaslit and Little did we know, what I did know is they'd be used in the production and they were actually on pulleys, some of them. So they'd actually actually drop them into the actual space at certain points. So in the in the towards the second half where there was a there was a, a lot of I'd say there were certain technical changes where lighting changes that they used that were trying to show Alec and Laura going through a lot of thoughts about if they should and shouldn't be in this relationship and the, there was some pausing moments where they they changed the light states to blue and there was some almost i'd say matrix style moments weren't they that, mm. that slowed down there almost yeah. in an interpretive dance style. yeah i think that was down to the direction as well i'm glad you reminded me because i think that was part of the transition thing that i got in the head yeah, that was. i was stuck on it was when they were eating the dinner as well yes. in that particular scene yeah they slowed down in a way so time had passed but no time at all had passed for us. No. So they brought the empty plates out and then they'd like lean back in their chair, slow motion, and then yeah. they'd return back to the table. It's like, mm, yes, we've just finished but our it meal. Was and also, they took yeah, that away. And, and they used moments like that to almost show the electricity between the two. Yeah. By there'd be a ca- casual touch of each other's hand or something that would then spark a, another reaction to show that they were getting deeper into the relationship rather than yeah. just being two people that are going for lunch it was actually and i think also it, it, progressing it faster yeah it, it progressed it faster and it told the story that didn't actually need to be told because you knew that when they were eating it it would just be another conversation that was yeah. just as delicate just as sweet just as embracing yeah but it was a moment in time that was just specifically for them yeah and letting the, their bond and love grow yeah that we don't really need to see because we can actually see it through the bigger picture of watching them go yeah. through their journey. Shall yeah, I say. their journey. And obviously this got more and more intense. There were certain moments where Laura would question things and go through things. And there was one scene where basically all the lights, they kept it back right to, towards the end really, where all the lights dropped, everything turned blue and there was actually LEDs hidden in the floor. Yeah. Now at the very realize. beginning, I, because I was looking at it like a play mat, I saw like a round thing in the middle yeah. and I thought that's going to have to come up or spin at some yeah. point. I've got dots everywhere. Then these two line, these tracks basically yeah. going from one end straight to the other. And I was actually thinking, then wonder, wonder what they were for because they were never going to yeah, get exactly. used. But we only found out at the very, very end. Yeah. Should we say what it was for? Yeah, it was, yeah, go on. Okay, so... At the very end, when they've gone off, they'd either gone to catch, catch the train or whatever, or they just missed the train. It was right before the bows. Yeah. We had the lights go down. There was um, smoke filled the air. And then you just heard this train whiz past. And when it whizzed past, you just saw these LED lights go through the track like it's just gone gone down there. It's like, so that's what they were for. They were the train tracks. Yeah. And was... then 
the actors just walked down the track. Well, it was also to show down. that because Laura nearly took a life though through yeah, that as yeah. well. And I think that was a way to... I think they were really clever in holding back certain things until they were needed rather than using them, overusing them all the way through as well. I think the key here is throughout the whole play and how it was written was delicate yes, and subtle. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That just yeah. sums everything up about this play. And that's why it's really cosy. And, and, and I think as well, it, it left the audience to decide and fill in the gaps, really, which I thought was very clever because you didn't, well, you didn't patronise yeah. the audience. You didn't have to tell them. I hate plays that where they spoon feed audience members exactly. all the time. You know, where we've had quite a lot of that. Oh yeah, we have. Yeah. Let's not bring up any of them. <laughs> no, let's not. But I think that's the yeah. that's the point that is important in this. It's the subtleties within a performance to actually make an audience know they can fill the gaps in. They're not stupid. Yeah. And just in case uh, you never get to see this play because it, it's finishing its tour this year, the bit where I said where there was like a round circle in the middle of it, well, that's when Laura and Pete, was that the actor's name? Uh, Anne Marie and Pete. Oh, Anne Marie and, and Pete, Alex. Laura and Alex, that's it. When I should know the film. When they come together and share a kiss yeah. and race, and there was a rose, wasn't there? Or yes, rose petals yeah. come down or something? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's rose petals. Well, it started spinning and they were just moving around yeah. and around, which was very romantic. And what were the rest of the cast doing at this point? They were around. They were They, were they weren't music. going around they were and playing, around. They were just, I'm sure they were, they were just, just playing, playing background music in yeah. the little band that they'd formed at the back. Any faux pas? I don't think there was. No. I think because it was done in such a confident, calm way. Oh, no, no, no. There was. There was something, wasn't there? Um, it was a bit where she was giving the scones to the audience member. Yeah, this and was she in the, had, the, the yeah. opening bit. Yeah. No, no, no. This was during the scene. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. She was yeah. trying to say a line while she was eating this scone. Yeah. And she couldn't get it out. And she was she like... Too out. much scone. She, yeah, she was bursting out laughing. And all the audience started laughing then. Yeah. And it was a... It was a little break, cam- break character moment. Break but character it wasn't moment. anything pinnacle to the whole performance. But, you know, overall, I mean, there yeah. was nothing nothing untoward during the production, really. There was nothing... It just makes it all the more fun when yeah, it's more endearing exactly. like that. you know. But then I it's... think, in a way, in this production, because you felt part of it, yeah, there was an element of getting away with it a little bit, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I thought of something else we could do. What bit would you like to relive or re-see? Go on, yeah. what, what scene would you relive? Well, for me, it was actually not a scene. It was actually the moment when they sang Go Slow Johnny in the second half. Oh, right. Where the, all the cast and everybody just almost simply disappeared into the back corner and just, conf- just song- sang Go Slow Johnny yeah. by Noel Coward. And it was actually such a, a moment that... I think it just brought the whole production together at that it point. It was quite powerful, that. It was really, yeah, well, it was, was that just after they'd uh, gone um, rowing? Yes, was it was. It, just, it yeah. was near there, wasn't it? And it was, it was the point where Joey Hickman just sat there singing. Yeah. But it was such a moment that I don't think I'd forget because of the way it just made so much sense at that point in the production. Mm. You know, it was almost about taking time to actually... It, this will happen, even though you've the boat scene where where they end up falling out of the boat and this yeah. that, and the other, and and it didn't go to plan. I think it just was like a reaffirmed, it'll be all right, don't worry. Yeah, you know, and I think that worked really well. 
What about you? Me, well, like I say, it would be that. The trombone scene, the sexual references between Albert and Merle, so Robert Jackson and Natasha Lewis. Yeah. But now you've mentioned that that song, I think I'd have to accompany you to see that before well, I then go and see, yeah. relive uh, the trombone scene. Just See, it's a good one, isn't it? Yeah. I think it just made so much sense at that point in the production that it was a bit mm. of a shock because it was brought back to a really nice moment. It had a lot of feeling. And to some extent, I, I kind of forget there was music in this even though yeah, I know exactly. there was because of the musical instruments but it's um, I think it just, because everything gelled so well I forget it was a musical yeah exactly version. yeah I know what you mean you know now then let's go to the scores scores what's Sc- that scores let's go to the scoreboard with one being an encounter that's brief and ten being a love story that lasts a lifetime so Richard what would it be I don't do this very often, but it's a 10 out of 10 from me. And I'm going to give it a 10 out of... Uh, I'm going to do that again. I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10. Because I... So I, steady. Oh, I know, right? But it deserves it. Such a great day out. And the cast were lovely. The play was lovely. And yeah. I, I just... I love it. I want to see it again. Just a production with so much confidence and... So much it warmth. Was great. Just yeah. To, just, this was such a happy, happy yeah, it, show. It, it was a great performance and... For saying we're in a matinee, I felt like we were in an evening performance with a full audience. You know, they they didn't hold back. They performed to their best. They just you could tell they were enjoying what they were doing and they how they created what they did on stage. You need to see it. Yeah, and I think it's got a short run to the end of twenty twenty two. But this really does need to tour and go a bit more. Yeah, it may be the venues that are the that are the sticking point really because mm, they can only really go to a similar style performance space so that might be why yeah but because i couldn't see it working the same in a proscenium arch style production they'd, they'd mm. probably have to change it quite a lot but do you know what i've seen it once and i want to see it again mm, me too so what sound effect will you be choosing from the following a complete train wreck tumbleweed an audible shrug of the shoulders uh-huh. a slow clap a pleasant applause or a standing ovation. What will it be? Standing ovation. Can only be one. Standing ovation for me as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Even though you sat there with a gamma. Yes. <laughs> he'd stand up and it'd hurt, but he'd do it. Absolutely. So there we are. That's our discussion of Brief Encounter. We hope you found it insightful. If not, entertaining. Coming up over the next few episodes, we will be discussing Billy Elliot, the clothes they stood up in, and Shawshank Redemption. That's it for this week, folks. If you'd like to drop us a message, please email us at upstagedownstagepod at gmail.com. Remember, you can always join in the chat to share with us your views on a production. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our channel so you get every episode the second it's released. And we hope you join us again for another instalment of Upstage Downstage. Downstage.